welcome to episode 14 of the Motherhood and Making Money podcast. And we are excited about the episode we are delivering to you today. We are going to be talking to the amazing Zoe Trigwell, who is a local business to us based in South Wales, which is fantastic, much like less, much like last week's episode. Um, but Zoe has an amazing story in business involving how she pivoted her successful business in the pandemic and has really, really leveraged that move in the online space to become hugely well-known and build a fantastic business that you're going to have heard of. It's a product-based business and you are honestly going to love today's episode. If you're listening, make sure you share it on social so that more people can hear it. Zoe is a really, really inspiring mum in business. So before I waffle on for too long, let's dive in to today's episode. Welcome to the Motherhood and Making Money podcast. My name is Kerry Giller. I'm the founder of Mubo, a social enterprise that helps more parents to start and grow brilliant businesses. Today, we are very excited to have the fantastic founder of Trigwell Cosmetics with us. Hello, and how are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. Thank you oh. so much. I'm super excited to be here. We are so excited to have you, Zoe. Like, this is going to be an amazing episode for people, I think, to hear about your business. So do you want to just tell us, for people who don't know who you are and a little bit about what your business is? Yeah. So my name is Zoe Trigwell. I'm the founder and CEO of Trigwell Cosmetics. Um, but a little bit of background about me, I suppose. I'm a professional makeup artist, have been for the last eight, nine years. And I was sort of put in a position and forced to create Trigwell, if you want to put it like that, um, due to COVID and sort of lack of money and lack of anything. I was like, right, you know what, now's the time to do it. And the rest is history, really. Oh, so were you doing, were you working as a makeup artist when COVID hit? Yes. So oh. I have my own makeup training academy in South Wales. And that was like, a fantastic business it was it was going really really well and then obviously COVID hit posing um I was pregnant at the time as well with my um, youngest and I'm just not the type of person to sit around and do nothing I was like I need to do something what can I do and I was already sort of had the idea to create Trigwell so I was like right do you want now's the time we've got loads of extra time let's do it now that's amazing. Really amazing. I think so many people find themselves in that similar position and some amazing businesses have come out of it because they were just a, unable to continue with that face-to-face -face contact and were forced into, okay, well, if I can't go out and see a client or I can't invite a client into my premises, what the hell do we do to make money? Yeah, literally, that was exactly what it was. And I was, I'm sure I'm really grateful in, in hindsight for COVID. And I mean, obviously, it was a rubbish situation for a lot of people for so many different reasons. But for me, it was a blessing in disguise. Yeah, absolutely. I feel very much the same. I had a weddings business before COVID, local to where you are. We were up near about Abergavenny, and the wedding business is still trading. But um I was in, in it with my partner at the time well he's still my partner my partner at the time he'd be like what <laughs> we were in the business together and COVID was like my get out I suppose because I grew this business while COVID was happening and when it it kind of like finished did it ever finish it finished and he the business picked up I was like Do you know what I don't think it's for me anymore and 
the other side of my business had grown to a position where I actually didn't need to go into it financially. And it was brilliant for us. So I think it was a massive catalyst for me to, to, to do something differently, born out of the fact that we couldn't do weddings during COVID, but we still had massive outgoings that we had to meet. So we had to find something else to make it work. It's so nice hearing like other people's success stories with it and obviously what how like people's lives have changed because of COVID. Yeah, massively, hugely, hugely. So how did you actually start Trigwell? So you'd you'd had the makeup academy and you're now a product-based business. So what was it that you kind of went out and said, I'm gonna make something instead? I think I can do this better. So I already had another brand uh, running alongside the Makeup Academy. Um, it was called Luna Lashes, and it literally was just a lash brand. Um, it was at the time where there was not really that many. I think Tatty Lashes started at roughly the same time as I started Luna Lashes. And I was like, hmm, let's do this. And it can, for me, it was never really anything big. It was something I thought I could make an extra bit of money and I was just really enjoying doing it and I could sell them to my clients and my brides and things like that um so that initial sort of like idea of like a product-based business is always there in the background um so when I had the idea to do Trigwell it was like well why don't we start with lashes like we did with Luna Lashes but we'll just rebrand it as Trigwell we'll rebrand like everything to do with the branding like the colors typography everything is different I was like let's just like do like a relaunch basically so I launched with one style of lashes which were called Harmony which were the most popular style of lashes that I had when I had Luna lashes um for me again I wasn't really going into Trigwell to make it like this huge business I was doing it to make a little bit of extra money um keep myself going until I could get back to the makeup academy and then obviously the rest happened but yeah that's really like where it started as in like project wise yeah and what's been the biggest thing do you think that has helped you grow Trigwell into what it is now which is an absolute blinking beast (laughs) yeah literally it's crazy (laughs) I like to think of it too much to be honest because it makes me scared Um, but I think for me, I'm a really persistent person. Like if somebody tells me, no, you can't do this or you can't do oh, that's not going to work. And I'm like, well, I'm going to make it work. I think it's, I'm very persistent. I'm very determined. And if I've got an idea, I do it until it becomes something. So I think a lot of it is because of the type of person I, I am. Um, yeah, I would, I would put it down to that really. Yeah, because there's a lot of people who you know, wouldn't even make that step. Now I was talking to, you know, to jump from a service-based business into a product-based business and not even see the correlation in, oh, you know, well, I'm seeing people anyway. I wonder if there's something I could make that I could, you know, that is that upsell, is that little addition that I could bring in, which I think is such a, I mean, that takes a lot of foresight to suddenly go. And it's a different beast, you know, suddenly sitting at home thinking, you know, where do I even start to mm-hmm. create a product to take it to market? Honestly, yeah, I've learned so much along the way. It's been a bit of a crazy ride. Like, I feel like, oh, like you never know everything, but I know a lot and I know obviously how to do a lot of things now. But at the start, I look back and I think I had no bloody idea what I was getting myself into. I was just like, I'm so naive and I just think sometimes that's a good thing when you start and things like that because you think how hard can it be I'll just yeah. do it. I can sell lashes I can create a brand and then you get into it and you're like 
oh okay I think that naivety helps sometimes <laughs> I, I really do think it does 100% agreed like I think sometimes if you overthink it you won't end up doing it so you've got to be a little bit naive at the start absolutely I think when I was first started building this as a because our business now this business is a non-profit business and I was like okay so I've got something that I want to give to people for free but we've got to make money how like how do how do we do that and had I had any foresight into what that actually was going to look like, this would not exist. I would be like, absolutely not. But I could, one of the first things we did was I remember contacting Tide, God love their souls. There's an online bank called Tide. And I messaged them and I was like, hey, I've got this idea. I'm going to make a podcast. I, didn't, I hadn't even ever made an episode. Like I didn't even know how to make an episode. And I was like, this podcast is going to be amazing. Do you want to sponsor me? And they were like, yeah. <laughs> and I think if I hadn't had the like balls to go in, like I didn't know anything, but I went, I was like, how can I do this? And I knew I would do like, I was going to be committed if nothing else. And I was like, I'm going to make it. You can use it. Like I guarantee you this, that and the other. I had no bloody clue, but I had a lot of like, we're just going to make it happen. And had I have known you know the the other things that were bolted on yeah probably wouldn't have not got into it at all but I think it takes that naivety sometimes to really get something off the ground and you just you do things maybe that you wouldn't do if you had were overthinking it definitely I think that's such a good way to to do it as well like from your point of view doing that and just being like being ballsy about it and just be like you know what I don't know how I'm gonna do it but I'm gonna make it happen so I think yeah that's definitely like the best starting point for any business that's my attitude attitude for all projects I'm like now we've got a team of people they're like but what's the detail Carrie I'm like oh don't worry about the detail <laughs> we'll figure that out as we go along you sound like me you sound like me <laughs> <laughs> just put it out there if we build it they will come <laughs> now having you've built an amazing brand on social media if people do not know about the stuff that you have done then they're insane um how much has building that community been a catalyst for what Trigwell has become as a brand it's like our it's like the be all and end all for us I think if we hadn't built that community we would not be where we are now um we have people customers you know followers on socials and things like that um I think they they are like our bread and butter and they're so so important and vital to the success of the brand I think if we didn't really focus on that we we just not we wouldn't be here we wouldn't be in this position we wouldn't have all these sales we wouldn't be able to bring out new products so I think building a community and sort of listening to your community as well and what they want is so so vital because it might be like an example for me um, when we were creating our lip oils that we launched end of last year I hate coconut I hate it with a passion I hate the smell of it the taste of it everything I can't go near it but I put the feeling like they're obviously not telling anyone about it and like asking like our community if we were to do something that had a flavor what flavor would you want everyone came back with coconut 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 was like the top thing and I was like I hate coconut I, me I don't want to do that so if I hadn't asked them I would never have done coconut and now it is one of our best selling lip oils because yeah. I listened to 
the customer and to the community about what they wanted. So it's so important to listen to them and involve them in everything as well, because you just create like a really nice tight knit and it just feels, I know it sounds so cliche, but it does feel like a little online family. It's lovely. I think it makes a massive difference when people feel like they're being heard. You know, you don't get that from Dove. They try, you know, and actually that's actually something that really 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 big brands are desperate to do they're desperate to try and get that feedback from their clients and they can't do it in a way that actually not smaller businesses because actually you've got some very big businesses but they don't have the contact the personal contact with somebody um and I think that's something that their bigger brands are always trying to replicate so and everyone I mean for me coconut it's like a holiday when you're stuck in South Wales and the and the, the sky is grey it's not bad at the moment because we're having some heat but that's what coconut is like for me so I can see why people want it <laughs> not my cup of tea <laughs> it's not for you you won't be using that one what kind of products have you developed Trigwell into so obviously you started off and you said you set the lashes but I know that now you have like this massively full range and some very viral products that have helped your business um, soar. So let's talk a little bit about how you developed it from that first product into what the business has become. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said earlier on is I was not really looking to get into it too much with, I thought, well, we'll just make it into like a lash brand again. And and then people were really excited about it. And I thought, oh, do you know what? Maybe it's going quite well. We could maybe develop some more things. So my thought process was having really, really good ingredients in the product, really high quality products, but not it being like super expensive. I wanted it to be accessible for everyone. Um, So that's like the whole thought process when I'm developing anything and it still is to this day now. I think as a makeup artist, it was always having like that high professional standard um, of makeup that I would want to use and other makeup artists would want to use in their kit, but also, having it not people that are like I want to don't want to say normal because I don't want to be that person to think there's differences but like the everyday makeup wearer not a professional yeah. someone that be like I don't I didn't want it to be like only professionals like it's this is only for professional blah 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 I thought it needs to be accessible to everyone so what I'm thinking about developing and what we've always done is professional quality but it's for every single person the everyday makeup wearer it's super easy to use it's super user friendly so like things like our blush that we do our cheek and eye blush um they're super versatile so they're formulated so they work perfectly on skin um every skin tone we've got loads of different types of like colors and stuff like that as well but it's also like something super easy so it's not like hard to blend so like if you've got a makeup artist and they're like um oh this wouldn't be suitable for an everyday makeup wearer because you know you've got to put a little bit more work and you've got to know like the technique behind it I didn't want it to be like a particular technique that you have to do to be able to use these products just for someone like me even though I'm a makeup artist myself when I chuck my I chuck my makeup on. So I wanted it to be good for someone who's like, do you know what? I'm rushing in the morning with the kids on the school run and I just go bum 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 done and I feel good, you know? So that's the whole thing, I think. Um like the blush was like that, the powder puff was just, I thought, we need something a little bit different. What do we what are we missing in our makeup bags? And that's really like talking about you know, the powder puff is like our most final product, but that was the one I was like. This is missing. This is what people need. Let's do it. 
Yeah, and I mean, I've heard people talk about this powder puff like a religion. Like it, it is a, it is a thing. Like they are committed. Once you've oh, once you've gone in, you ain't ever going back. <laughs> I think it's become, it's it's crazy because how did like a little powder puff become that? And I speak to so many people, and like people like like I meet just wherever I am, or like customers and like feedback and things like that. And no one was using powder puffs it was not a thing I think people always say to me oh like I always thought it was like an old lady thing you know yeah. like old lady used powder puffs to like powder their face like back in the day or whatever it might have been and I think they say how did I do my makeup without the powder puff and I'm like I don't know yeah. I don't know <laughs> well as someone who has the powder puff before I was like I, I had that exact thing and I was like I'm 40 now and actually my skin is good but I'm like I don't want a lot under my eye that's gonna like like make everything look fine liney and dry right so I'm like oh I'd steer clear like we don't do that and then I'm fully into watching a lot of stuff on TikTok and I saw someone do their eye who was like a woman in her 50s or something and I was like oh, that's yeah. it <laughs> down to sort of just finding like a powder wherever it might be or a technique that works for you with the powder puff but I think the powder puff does literally work for everyone it's such a versatile product and I think we're so used to products that don't give us results mm -hmm. you find something that does you're like you know it doesn't matter it's not about the cost it's not about the you know you don't have to spend a lot of money on these things we all know them like if we've cracked onto a product and it works that's you know you tell your friends you're like oh my god have you tried this you want to get this like you just shout about it because we're almost not used to it anymore like we just expect everything to be a little bit crap literally <laughs> we do it's so true so true <laughs> with talking about that kind of like online community aspect of your business obviously a lot of our parents that are building particularly online businesses find this struggle this almost love-hate relationship with social media. Like, we know we've got to do it. We know it's the driver, but also we fucking hate it. So we hate it when it's not working. Everyone hates it when it's not working, I'm sure. Um, talk to me a little bit about how beneficial it has been for you, particularly, I know TikTok is a massive thing for a lot of product-based businesses that have come on this podcast. I can see the kind of numbers you're dealing with over there. So I'm guessing it, is, it makes up a, a big chunk of where you bring in your income. And we get a lot of people who are, I'm going to say it, a little bit snobby about the old TikTok. And I'm like, I am going over there. It's for like kids who want to dance and this, that and the other. And I'm like, no, this is like, I don't say the holy, but this is, not just big this is massive um yeah how has tiktok been for you and how has that thrown you into business growth i just think if you if you're a product based i think any business it doesn't even have to be product based it can be service based because you can so add so much value to your business but if you're not on there have a word with yourself that is the only thing i think yes i think people think this is this dancing singing whatever type of app I think maybe it was when it first started um but oh my god I think I jumped on it at the right time but if I I wish I had jumped on it sooner because even further into our journey um if I had jumped on it sooner so if you, I think my my sort of stance on that and message would be like if you're not get on it mm. uh, just I think the best thing about TikTok for example and what's worked really well for us um 
in, in making those sales and building that community is it's a totally different type of app to any other app that's out there. I think the audience is a little bit different to say like on Instagram, Instagram audience is a little bit more like curated. They expect to see it a little bit more polished. Yeah. Do not care. TikTok don't care. I've, I've been on TikTok. Well, most of the time I'm on TikTok and I film a video, I've got my hair scraped back. It's greasy, no makeup on. And I think just real raw energy on the app performs so well. And I think what people are loving with brands and businesses, for example, is seeing like a behind the scenes that you probably would never see anywhere else. Like where would you be able to see inside someone's warehouse packing? You'd never be able to see that normally. And I think that's why businesses do so well on the app because it's a little like fly on the wall that you would never have normally. And it's a different point of view from a brand. So I think it's integral. Like if you're, it is, is an uncomfortable thing putting yourself out there on socials but I think if you're not doing it then you are missing a massive massive audience yeah lovely Hannah that works on our team she was like when she first came into the office to work with us she was like right we're going to start a TikTok and I remember looking at it going no Hannah this is not going to work for us like I you're like in your 20s and gorgeous like you you make all the videos you go for it da, 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 da. And she's very data driven and she's like okay so watch the videos <laughs> and what works is um you basically so we need you doing this that and the other I'm like oh no Hank it's like I only like to get dressed to come into the office once a week and I you all know I only literally put my eyebrows on and that's it and I can't do this and she was like yeah but that's what's getting us up the most views <laughs> where you make zero effort with your appearance and zero effort with like thinking you need like a, a, something good to do on the video <laughs> do best i literally did a video of me crying in the middle of asda and it went viral oh i think mine was actually i went into cumbran once and I, i'd forgot to buy bridesmaid shoes this should not even be on our company tiktok by the way and i'm like I, someone had told me she was hannah's like you've got to make some videos i'm like oh god and my friend was getting married i'm sorry mel i know you're listening to this and we all had to get silver bridesmaid shoes and i completely forgot in life so it's the day i've got to travel down to swansea to go to this wedding the next day and i'm like got any shoes I haven't got silver shoes what am I going to do now you live in the same area as me so I'm like where the hell am I going to get silver shoes for this wedding so I come off into Cabran and I'm like we've got three shops we've got three shops and we've got to hope that there's going to be a pair of shoes and I made this random video of me trying to find silver shoes and I got this I remember getting didn't think anything more of it and I remember getting this message from Hannah going what have you done like the thing is just everything's ticking like all these people are coming in and I'm like what can I say Cumbran the amount of people going I know you're in Cumbran by the paving stones <laughs> I love that oh see this is why I love TikTok it just like things like that little things it just boosts the engagement just by someone noticing where you are or like something random is so I love it I love that it I, was I think it was that that made me think Jesus this could be a thing like we've done we have a lovely girl who does our social she's fantastic we've done Instagram you know and thinking of our client base we were like Instagram is going to be the thing it's going to be the place that they are but we are not or I am not Hannah probably is I'm just not that curated kind of person and we can do it for the business for a brand like but it has to be well thought out and I'm like but if you just want me to turn up you are going to get me 
dropping Fred to school in Blenavon and like coming into Pontypool to grab something on my way home. Like it's not, I do not live a curated life. Yeah. So I just can't contribute that if that's what you're looking for. I'm not your gal. I'm like, but uh, if you want to know what best local chip shop to go to or how much I love popping into Cumbran for uh, something at lunchtime, then you might like me. Like that's probably a good move. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one how much of a chunk of your business do you think tiktok has turned into for you i mean like in terms of revenue um prop i would i would go as far to say 65 70 percent massive yeah and that's in line with a lot of we've spoke to another well we spoke to a couple of business owners recently who will have developed on TikTok or gone down that route and then the kind of percentage of their business that it makes up is such a huge chunk that it's crazy right to think about it so if you're not on it let this be your your pressure from Zoe and I to go and do it time <laughs> to do it do it today what kind of I, I hate going on the negative but how, do you think you faced any barriers in growing this business anything you've had to really like leapfrog over to get it to the state you are now yeah, I think a lot of it, like any business, like cash flow is a massive one. Like cash flow for us in the beginning was non-existent, um, especially with like the powder puff, for example. When we first launched that, I didn't really expect it to go as well as it did. I didn't expect it to go viral. Um, and obviously you've got so many other elements to pay out for your business. It's not always like what's coming in. And it was great that like 10,000 of these powder puffs have sold, but now I've got do a, I've got to do a reorder for twice as much as that and I've got x y and z to pay and how am I going to ship this out and how am I going to pay to ship this out so like cash flow was a major one for us um not only that like stock levels we really struggled like same sort of thing like with the powder puff luckily like I would say like the last six months we're really good with that now yeah. um no stock for ages and then Obviously, that, that's not a great thing. It's a, it's a little bit, like, sometimes it's good to be out of stock, especially at the start, because it creates that hype. But, I mean, people get bored of the out-of-stock notifications after a while, don't they? They're like, you know what, I'm just going to go elsewhere. So that was, like, two hurdles that we had to learn to overcome really, really quickly. But touch wood, we're there, and we're a little bit more steady now with those. Yeah. What advice do you think you would give to someone if they you had a friend and she was like, you know what, I think I've got this idea and I want to turn it into like a product-based business. What kind of thing would you be saying to them? I think I would say just do it and think about it later. I know that's really like... No, that's good. To say, but I think it, like we've mentioned at the start of this call, like if you think about it too much, you're going to give yourself so many more negatives and you're going to turn yourself away from just pursuing what you really want to do. Yeah. So I and just learn as you go along take as much as info it much info learn as much info about like the industry you're in and things like that but just the take home I would be is saying just do it just do it and think about it later that's an interesting thing that you just mentioned there about you know you learn along the way I think when we go into our careers or you have a job let's say you start working in the NHS 
no one expects you to know everything about your job before you get into it. But as sometimes when I speak to business owners, they'll be like, well, I don't oh, I don't know enough about this to start. We kind of like expect that we have to know everything in order to give it a go. And I'm like, you would never do that in a normal industry. It's completely fine to like learn. And as your business changes, actually, one of the things about being self-employed slash an entrepreneur is you are constantly learning because everything is always shifting and changing. So I think embracing that that's just a part, like you're never, you're never going to know it all. And the there's always a part that you're like, we don't know what's coming next. And you almost have to embrace that to be good with like being in this industry. Yeah, definitely. I think that comes part and parcel as well. Like being an entrepreneur and, and running a business, it's just like you said, you're never going to know everything and don't expect yourself, like don't put too much pressure on yourself. You will make mistakes and that's all right because you'll learn from them. Just don't make the same mistake twice, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. At the end of every podcast, we do a little question that's come from the person who was on the podcast before you. So you've got uh, a question from the lovely Beck from the Bee Collection. And she has said, there's a good one, how many breakdowns do you have a week? No, I <laughs> have a week. She has said, she has said that at the beginning. Um, she thinks it's virtually impossible to get a proper work, business, life, parenting balance consistently. But what do you do to try and get a good and present work-life balance? It is. It's impossible. It, I think work-life balance, and especially when you throw children into the mix as well, it is impossible. Yeah. It does not happen. And anyone that tells you that is lying. Lying. But- yeah. <laughs> what I try and do to make it as balanced as it possibly can is setting myself sort of like timelines and timelines for different tasks I mean if I have to stay late and I have to work till 10 p.m do that on one day but know that maybe the next day that you know what I'm gonna finish a little bit earlier and then I'm gonna turn my phone off I'm not gonna touch the laptop I think having like ground rules for yourself and making yourself accountable to those will help but yeah you definitely will never have a balance but it's just trying to find what works for you and don't put again don't put too much pressure on yourself we're trying to be like oh we have to be a perfect mum. I have to be a perfect business owner I have to be a perfect partner whatever it might be you're never going to be perfect in any of the areas so just don't beat yourself up about it no I would completely echo that I mean everyone's probably on this podcast they're like don't bloody talk to her about balance she never shuts up I'm like why nobody's asking my husband how he balances anything right they just like it's a given that he'll do all these things there but if I'm talking anything I go to it like how do you balance? like how do you do two businesses how do you have a chat like how are you doing all that I'm like well you kind of just do it but also what you were saying about it's like this give and take I think it's like the Gemini is it Gemini star sign and she's got like those weighing scales I'm like occasionally your business is going to be hungry and it takes more. There are just certain times of the year. James has got a seasonal business. We don't see him in the summer. For me, it's September. September's our go, go hard or go home month. And we both have to give and take on those times because that's when it's like make hay when the sun shines. Like we've got to go and do that. There are other times when if the hit the fan at home, my house, my child, my partner needs something, I'm going to tip that way. And I think it's knowing that you can, like you are in control of coming back to centre. And sometimes it's just natural for it to be that way. When your kids are super little, you spend, you know, as my kids got older, my priorities are different, things change. But I think we're so obsessed with going like, I have to do this well. I have to be like the perfect mum. My business has to run like, I want it to be nine to five. I'm like, 
you're never going to be able to operate in those confines. And we focus on that so much instead of, right, what actually works for me? I don't mind getting up super early like because I'm naturally awake. So I, I can work for a couple of hours before I take Fred to school. If I were a person who slept in, that would be crap. And I'd be like going against my, against my grain. But we're so focused on like what we perceive as perception, uh, perfection. We're not really focusing on, we're all in business because we want it to work for us. So like make it work for you. Worry yeah. about later yeah i love the point about the um scales it's such a good good way of putting it uh, you can always come back you can always come back well zoe it has been an absolute bloody i forgot my word um joy <laughs> i got my words to speak to you i've absolutely loved it and it's amazing you know we talk to people all over but living in the kind of area that we live in it is so inspiring I think for people who live in towns and villages like we do to see businesses who can still be living around here can still grow and you know do that kind of stuff it's not something we see every day so huge huge congratulations to you from that point of view thank you so much. I've loved it thank you it's been a really really nice little chat and just yeah getting everything off the chest all off the chest thank you so much thank you